Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. So Eric, welcome to Canada's podcast uh, on this beautiful day in Toronto at about 20 degrees, which is kind of ludicrous for November the 11th, but it's terrific. Uh, but you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, as I ask everyone to do this, uh, who you are, why I'm sitting here talking to you, uh, and uh, you know, uh, let people know who you are. I think that makes it more interesting. Yep, absolutely. Thanks uh, again, Philip, for for having me today. I'm uh, uh, like you, a longtime marketing advertising uh, nerd. Uh, I wanted to build websites uh, back in the mid '90s. I was uh, I was I was doing some some fine art in school and some sports, and had to find a way. And I uh, met somebody that was building websites, and ultimately that got me hooked. And I've been in the business ever since, and have seen it uh, obviously morph and change over the last uh, couple decades. And yeah. um, still a, a great business to be in. And, and now I'm uh, working on a, a tool called Morpheo, which is a, a piece of software for marketers and agencies and, and brands trying to help you know, bring a little bit of solace and protection and, uh, and automation to the marketing industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so, I mean, have you always worked as an entrepreneur? How did you become one? I mean, that's always an interesting kind of journey for people. I mean, and that's part of what this interview is about is, you know, how did you get here? Why, why the hell does someone step into a risk position when most people I meet are perfectly talented and capable of holding jobs, except sometimes they can't keep their mouth shut. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've done that. I've done that. I think that's how I ended up being an entrepreneur. No. <laughs> that's often part of it. For sure. That's right. Um, no, I mean, I've, I've asked my question for myself, that question actually a, a lot over the years. And um, I used to answer it and say, uh, which is true. Uh, I used to be, and still in, in some cases, a terrible listener. And so uh, back to my high school coaches, uh, I, I really wasn't great at taking uh, their advice. Uh, I always uh, wanted to figure out uh, something out on my own. And I think that just naturally led me to uh, loving the the uh, opportunity to problem solve. Uh, and so coming out of school, it was a sort of forced uh, hand. I had a, a quick job. And, and again, I just didn't find the what I what I loved about why I went to school. And it was just, again, this is the late 90s. So at a time where building websites and being creative on the digital space of, of website build, et cetera, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. And I was very new then. Yeah. It, I was involved it, in it, but it was it was a brand new time. New. Yeah, brand new. And I think that that time it was just before the dot com. And so there was a lot of money floating around. And and so a couple of my friends and uh, from uh, from school and I got together and we just started, you know, offering our services to um uh, to anybody that would listen. And we, we got lucky and we were able to really grow that business for about eight years until uh, I exited that business and um, went in a different direction, but got that bug pretty early on in terms of the problem solving then of business and figuring out finance to, you know, also working in the service side. And eventually somebody had to, you know, answer the phone. And, you know, one story I remember that was nerve wracking and, uh, and exciting was I got a call one day from gentleman named Steven. Um, and he worked at a company called AOL. And I wasn't sure if he said his email address was AOL, or if he actually meant that he worked at AOL. And at the time I was in my business partner's parents' basement, like all good startups. No, uh, and we had a decent interconnect, internet connection in our own phone and in our own computers. And, and we were in business, right? So, um, they loved some of the work that we did, um, uh, on the personal side and said, Hey, we'd love to come and see your operation and see if you could help us with some user interface 
interface design. Uh, and we said quickly, well, we actually happened to be heading to New York next week, uh, which wasn't entirely, you know, uh, the truth, but, uh, it was the first time where thinking on your heel, uh, you know, on, on your feet there, yeah, sorry, and, and figuring it out. I think, I think then I became, uh, uh, I became addicted and I'll stop my tangent, but, uh, I was speaking to a fantastic individual actually about a couple months ago and they, you know, parallel their entrepreneurial uh, uh, ism to sports and team sports and, uh, and being able to be a leader within that. And it trained them, um, that they, you know, could take that initiative and, and, uh, you know, take the, a stance and things and, and look at opportunity and, and overcome it. And, and just because I played a lot of sports as well, I, I think there's a combination of, of that, a little bit of luck and some, some genes. And, and I think that's what got me started. Okay. Now, so, you know, You've gone through, you know, 20 odd years of it. Um, I think I, I always like the challenge side of it, you know, and, and the way we, we, we've learned, we learn from challenges. I mean, what's been the greatest challenge you've faced to date in your business, you know, and, and how did you overcome that? I mean, I, every day is a challenge. I love the word challenge. It means a very high thing for me. But what, but you know, when you what's what's the greatest one say in the last couple of decades? Yep. And and, and what? How did you get around it? Oh man, I mean, how much time do we have? But uh, <laughs> the, the one that comes the one that comes to mind is, uh, and and first I will say that the the if you want to become an entrepreneur and a well-rounded one, there's no uh, better way and more expensive way. Um, than running your own business in the world of marketing and advertising, because you, you bounce around, or at least we did, we didn't have a specific sector in our agency or agencies that we focused on. We worked for pretty much anybody that had intent and there's a whole bunch of criteria, but yeah. you know, you, you, you get in and I think as a, a naturally inquisitive and problem solver, and just like you said, loving the challenge that you, you have to dig in and really understand that entire business. And being fortunate enough to, in our case, work with the owners or at least the, the, the directing man, managers, you really start to understand every kind of business. So over the years from fitness to beverage and cannabis to fashion and retail to on and on and on, you know, you become this sort of well-rounded business person sort of by, by accident. And I think that, you know, there's many, many, many stories of challenges within that, but you know, we, we started an agency after I left my original one and this, this company called Arcane in 2011, and we qu quickly grew to one of the fastest growing agencies in North America. Um, you know, again, from basements, of course, like every business to almost a hundred people in, in just over five years and uh, a lot of growing clients. Um, but we, you know, we had one massive client that, um, you know, we had, we had too much, uh, revenue dependency on and we, we, and we knew it. Um, but I think we, we didn't plan well enough for what that meant to, to our business and, and not, not from as, as much from a financial perspective, but more from the controlling side of, we weren't really able to do what we wanted to, to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we learned very quickly that we had to make a conscious decision and, and luckily it worked out both uh, on both sides. Um, uh, but then we moved very quickly to never letting that happen to us again. Um, and yeah. so we kind of got I've lucky. Mirrored, I've mirrored yeah. that. I've mirrored yeah. that. Well, yeah. in the industry space as, as agency world, it, it's sort of one of those things, especially at the, the, the larger level, as you know, there's one or two clients that you win the business on and you ride that wave. And if they go away, you lose a lot of people, you lose market share. And sometimes you have to close your doors. And 
we never wanted that to be the case. And so knowing that and having a, a taste of, holy crap, this client could leave and, you know, there goes 50% of our revenue, you know, um, that was a wide, uh, wide and rude awakening. So definitely the biggest challenge that, that I, yeah, I kind of learned the same thing. Never let a client become more than 20%. There you go. That was, that was my takeaway. Yeah. And I think, I think we got down to about 8% on the max. Sometimes it would, it would get up to 10, but it would never be over 12. So we lowered that even down a bit and that took probably seven or eight years, Philip, to actually figure out. So. Yeah. So, you know, if you could go, I mean, you've, you've done a lot in the, last, in the last couple of decades. If you go back to the beginning again, you know, what kind of, what kind of advice would you give to me? Because we, we have lots of, you know, okay, younger entrepreneurs in URI listening to the show. You know, thinking about it 20 years ago, what kind of, what kind of advice would you give yourself now that you've learned. I mean, I think it's, we've both been, been in that kind of thing. So yeah. what's, what do you think is the, the gem you, you, you learn from? Yeah. And it's funny. I just had this conversation with uh, uh, an agency friend of mine out in, uh, out in New Zealand. And um, uh, my, my first instinct was to, to not get into the agency business. And I was, I was joking to them, but uh, I said it in a way where it's like, I didn't mean that I love marketing but the agency side of service. And I said, and I said, what do I mean? But he asked, sorry, he said, what do I, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, if you, you have to focus on service, you have to focus on, you know, understanding what your client needs, but what the business actually is, is selling results. And that's what clients are paying you to do. And that's what they want you to think about. And you can be wrong and you can make mistakes, but at, at one point, if you get to becoming an order taker and ultimately just trying to let service keep that relationship going, someone else is going to be better and smarter and, and faster and, and, uh, and more hungry than you. Um, so that's always the advice I would come is, is make sure, you know, ultimately that you're selling results that you think about a, a strategy, um, that allows you to be better and different than your competition. So you're not selling the same thing. Um, you know, to look at finance first and, and make sure that you have plans, uh, to grow your business, understand cash flow, and all those things. And and if you're if you're willing to do that, then the last and most important part is, you know, are you willing to to live in that sort of sweet and sour part of entrepreneur, which is you're always on and you're and you're never really off, and you're you have to have that conversation with your spouse, partner, family member, whatever, whoever mm -hmm. you're going it through. Those are the kind of four main things, and ultimately that relates to that whole work live balance or work life, whatever you want to call it. I like to say work live because as an entrepreneur, if you're in it with your spouse and partner and you can completely free yourself to be on it, um, that's where the scale comes in. And I think that's where the passion lives and, and that's a, a two way street, but that's the, a couple points of advice that I give. The other thing that I ask everybody, cause I, I love the answers is, um, you know, what, what you know, we've all had mentors, be they parents, be they whatever. What's the what's the best piece of advice you receive that you kind of carry carry along in your pocket? You know, that, that that's just that's there all the time. Well, I mean, the easy way to say that is you've got to <clears throat> you've got to love getting up um, and you know and, and attacking every single day. Uh, if you're hitting the snooze button, you know you're in the wrong you're in the wrong business. You know, before I had kids, and I made the speech once to my team, and I said my wife was there. 
uh, and I, uh, I said by accident, um, I said, I, I love uh, weekdays in the week more than I love weekends because I just cannot wait to attack the, the opportunities that are at hand. Um, and maybe that wasn't the best thing to say with uh, my <laughs> lovely wife in the room. Uh, and it, and it, it is still true to this day. And, and of course it's finding that balance of, uh, you know, of, of all that with family and kids, et cetera. But I still have that same feeling. I cannot wait. And I remember, I remember the feeling of what, what it was like those, that small period of, of my life where I dreaded the, the Monday morning wake up. I remember that feeling on the Sunday night and the Monday morning. And, and I made a vow that I would never, ever, ever have to, to go through and live that again, if I so could choose. And uh, that's what really kind of keeps me, uh, keeps me going. So uh, just moved on to some kind of fun questions. Yeah. Um, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what do you think you'd be doing instead? Well, if I had to make money, the one thing I've always loved is, um, you know, home renovation, interior design, uh, the whole, the whole seeing the vision of a project and, and executing it ultimately is I think why I'm in this business too, which is actually yeah. closely related, but you know, that, that hands-on side of creating websites, graphic design, that's, you know, that's what I, I grew up doing and uh, love seeing something and all the way to fruition. So if I had to make money, we'd be doing that. If I didn't have to worry about money, uh, obviously it's, you know, sports related. I've, I've become a big uh, roller hockey inline uh, player, uh, you know, playing ice since I was two years old. So mm -hmm. that's a cool passion. And I run a league here in, uh, in our city uh, and trying to get kids to be healthy and involved, of course, my own uh, too, but that's sort of the the sports passion. So there's two ways I'll answer it, Philip. Well, what made you stay in Toronto? I mean, you know, you're in the media business. Yep. I guess Toronto is the number one in place to be in Canada. But, you yep. know, you've been successful enough. There's New York and San Francisco and a few other places that you could go, uh, uh, you know, hang out and, and you know, what's what yep. nice to here. Well, and, and I know I didn't clarify this because our office is and head office is in Toronto, but I actually, and half of our team is there, but I live in London, Ontario, uh, and technically in the middle of nowhere outside of it and grew up. I know, actually, London. Well, I yeah. know London pretty well. Actually. Yeah, mo most people do. There's this weird connection to it. And, uh, but you know, it's funny, we, we started here. Um, my original business was with, we, we did a lot of the, the really cool uh, early production. By the way, I'm in Hamilton. Just to get oh, there you go. Okay. I'm not too far at all. I should, <laughs> should we, you know, we could have, we could have gotten together, but you know, next time, but, yeah. um, there, we, we got a little bit lucky. So we, you know, we stayed here and worked with agencies all over the world and we did a lot of their production. That was our, my original business. And, you know, yeah. AOL, as I mentioned, was one of those kind of early amazing clients we got, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, you know, parlay actually pause for a second. It's gone back to that with, you know, what we're going through right now, which is a whole nother conversation, but mm -hmm. we found pretty quickly that we could uh, have quite a quality of life living in London and the cost of living and our ability to, at that time, anyway, you know, direct flights from London to New York and Chicago and, and, you know, Cleveland and a whole bunch of other places really quickly. So, you know, we, we had clients, yes, everywhere uh, in inclusive of Toronto. Um, and it just became a great place to run and start and, and, uh, and manage a business. And, you know, once we grew up a little quickly realized that there's a, a, a ton of fantastic head offices and that the city of London itself was growing. So, uh, I would have spent most of my time between Calgary and Toronto and, and London for majority of the last decade in, in our offices and in our clients and in our team in those spots. Mm -hmm. But 
love Toronto, love London, obviously love Calgary. Those are my, you know, three favorite places to, to, to live and yeah, visit. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm pretty well traveled and done stuff all over the planet from Toronto. So it's, Beautiful. Been, it's been a good place for me as well. So, you know, a um, little bit more about you. Are you a morning or a night person? Uh, I am definitely a night person. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, I've actually lost two interviews of being night people, but I would say it's about 80% morning to 20% night. Hmm. Well, there you go. I've tried, I've tried the morning. It's much easier without kids, especially when their feet are in your face uh, all <laughs> night long. So maybe someday I'll go back to morning, but I'm not quite ready for that yet. <laughs> You know, this is something I again. What book are you reading at the moment? Listening to? I don't care whether you're reading it or listening. Um, you know what? I just downloaded, um, and normally it's business book after business book, uh, but I just downloaded uh, Matthew McConaughey's new sort of storytelling, right, and I, yeah. I I don't know why that is the case, um, <laughs> but I've, if anything, it's that transformation that he took from you know, the, the, the guy without a shirt on the beach to an unbelievable actor in, in many of some of the it best. Quite a, strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I saw an interview on him on Sunday, I think it was, and it was, he was amazing. Yeah. He, he, he stopped. He stopped. He, he stopped. Yeah. stopped. Yeah. Yeah. He stopped and for I two love, years. I love, or, I love, I love people that do that. that stop and say, no, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. So his, some of his stories that he shares uh, an unbelievable way to, to grow up and, and become what he's become. So, you know, I think that that's a, a big one. And um, any uh, books, you know, any books that you read in the last decade that you, that are really, yep. you know, that the, 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 it doesn't have to be just business. I mean, that have impacted the way you think kind of thing. Yeah. So Jordan Pearson's, um, you know, 12 rules of life. And mm -hmm. one recently, I'm trying to think of the author, um, the it's business of expertise, um, David Baker. Um, so I mean, those are two yeah. on very different sides. Um, I I'm still a big fan of, you know, how to win friends and influence people old, old school book, but the, the notion that you can really make people um, unbelievably love yourself for an introvert who's always mm -hmm. trying to figure out talking about business, very simple and easy. And I'm very comfortable, but still much an introvert around myself, et cetera, and trying to connect with people in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I often reference that and, you know, trying to be that golden retriever in the room that just makes people feel, you know, happy and, uh, and smiling while you talk, no matter who you're doing. So that that's a staple, um, you know, for sure. And uh, one other I can think of is, you know, what, what clients want, uh, especially in the service business looking, you know, it's probably about 15 years old now, but th those are a few that I would say that have stuck with me and I'll dust off every once in a while for sure. So if you have to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Um, I mean, I, I never stop working. My, my wife's uh, family, they're all, well, they're all from the South of France and they're, they're visiting with us quite often. And uh, every time I see her, she always says in French, you know, you never stop, you never stop mm -hmm. um, with its kids and uh, things outside and to work, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I, I learned very well from my grandfather who was an entrepreneur and salesman that, um, you know, you only have a certain amount of time to, to do your thing and, and make a mark. And, you know, I, I, I would say if it's driven or grit, those are two words that, you know, come to mind and that I've used in internal team workshops and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it just means a lot. I mean, I, I think working hard, you, you always get out what you put in and you got to enjoy the ride. So when you, when, you, when it's not working and, and you love it, um, it just makes every day that much more fun. Sorry, man. I've obviously done a little bit. Tell, tell everyone what you're doing today mm-hmm. without going too promotional, but it's pretty interesting, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, I talked a little bit about the agency side, and and I although still involved, we we end up ended up just um, selling the majority of that business to uh, a new group called Republics, um, and together we're actually taking aim at the industry again with a very a very new model based on technology and trying to bring together a bunch of us independent agencies to um, uh, to really go after some some big market share. So that's that's exciting, which means I'm not. Um, you know, I handed over the reins from the CEO and uh, perspective a couple of years ago, but our team stays intact. Um, you know, our, our, our leadership stays intact and we're obviously still around to help guide the ship and doing more of that with our parent company. Um, from a, a marketing perspective though, we, we built some software to help our business grow and scale and, uh, and allow our people to not be as busy and be as tired and be as stressed and, and so we started to build automation in our agency that we've now turned, uh, you know, into a separate business. So it, it's called Morpheo and it, you know, you plug in your digital marketing and it's going to help tell you what's going on, uh, mainly on the protection side. So our, our goal there is just to free up marketers. Again, this is an amazing business, but somehow it's turned from strategy and making clients love us to being busy and grinding out keywords in Google all day long. And, we wanted to free up uh, marketers to become more awesome and, you know, and, and, and less busy. So that's, that's our, our mission right now. Okay. Um, that's very, very, very interesting. Um, you know, just, just on that front. Mm-hmm. So you're killing the whole side of the industry. If you're fully automating using AI slash machine learning to do the work, you know, I mean, yep. I mean you know, you and I grew up in the 90s and 2000s when it was big ideas were, you know, before the granularity of, That's uh, right. of where we are now. Um, I mean, you want to get it back, but what about all the other people doing, doing that stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, I like I said, when I went through school, it was a, a higher. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a, it's, it's a great because, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely have a view on it. But when I went through school, I was still working with film, and yeah. and a computer at, at the same time. And then the film part went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next, uh, the next group came in, and they didn't have film anymore, and went directly to computers. And so automation is nothing new, and computers, technology, and the evolution of 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 technology won't won't stop. Um, what I believe is we, we started to sell results because I didn't want to go through the subjective process of somebody telling me that green was better than blue and my idea was better than yours. We wanted to let the data actually see through so that we would have more objective time to, to do what we wanted to, let the data show what's working. And I don't think that has changed. At, you're right, though, at, at a certain point, the big ideas you know, we're only left to the big conglomerates and the big agencies that could sell that through. And the idea of creative campaigns and creative problem solving got squished underneath this pile of optimization and uh, keywords, you know, and digital marketing, all very relevant for a certain period of time. But it also made everybody, like I said before, very busy, overworked, um, in many cases, stressed, unhappy, 
And we, we forgot how to not only be creative, but we also, we don't have enough time as well. So we don't aim to automate the agency or the marketing process. We want to be able to look at the uh, repetitive mundane parts of all of our business and look at ways to get rid of those because none of our people want to be doing them. We want to be strategists. We want us to solve business problems. We want to create beautiful experiences. So that is our view on it. And in many cases, we look at the world of machine learning and AI as a form of customer service where if we can allow ourselves to be freed up to it and our clients can you know, ultimately get what they want more quickly and uh, the team that's doing it is that much more happier, I, I believe that better, more creative ideas will continue to rise to the top. So that's a, that's a big thing for us. What's keeping you up at night? Um, right now, not, not too much, but um, outside of, like I said, my children's feet in the, in the face, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm up late, up early, but I, I'm, I'm okay on the sleep side. But if, if anything, really, it's just, you know, getting through this kind of crazy world and, uh, you know, adjusting and we've all sort of been through that, but hopefully yeah. by the end of the weekend, we might see, that's right. Let's get through it. Right. So different time. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hey, you know, thanks. It's been a great interview. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, people listen to us and, and, and look at us and we spark things. How can people get a hold of you online? Uh, if, if they have some questions afterwards. Sure. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn, uh, Eric Varden, uh, just, you know, Google search me, look for Morpheo, M-O-R-P-H-I-O dot A-I. You can, you know, you can find me there too. Um, just happy to talk to anybody, especially other agency owners, marketers, et cetera. You know, I, I do this all day long and, and it gets me excited. So happy to, uh, you know, to chat with anybody anytime. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming on Canada's podcast. It's been really nice having you. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate the time.